Back to the Law of One, session seven. Today we're gonna to talk about how to summon Ra and the Confederation of Planets. We're gonna talk about the Council of Saturn, the Orion Group, and believe it or not, the dark side of the Law of One. Let's start. This session starts with a series of questions and answers that have to do with the Confederation of Planets and how they offer their services. Now, I don't want to cover everything in our regular format because it gets a little complicated as you're probably going to see because I'll show you in the text. So if you want to pause it and take a look at it, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> but basically what this part is saying is that they depend on the amount of people that are calling. So a group of people in a civilization calling for the law of one, say. Um, it, it depends on how attuned they are with the law of one and in, in, in the totality of the people there. Down here, they get into the sort of mathematical formula that they have, which is a sequential square. And even that is not really uh, um, a good indication because it's an approximate. It depends on the people who are not totally unified in their calling which means maybe the faith that they have, it's hard to understand, but all that we can take out from here is that it depends on the amount of people that want to call for service, basically. And the last part that I have highlighted here before I actually get into the first question is um, Don asks, how many entities are pre at present are calling from planet Earth for, for your services? And this, remember, is 1981. And it says that they're personally called uh, by 352,000 people and the Confederation completely by 632 million people. And remember, again, this is from 1981. We don't know the, the numbers now. So I just wanted to share that part with you because it has to do with the question that we're going to start this. And another thing that I want to note here is that you can see in the answers here, uh, 7.3 at the top they say, I am Ra, but 7.4, they don't, as well as 7.5 and 7.6, which is kind of odd because they always answer with, I am Ra. And I've heard from David Wilcox saying that this may have to do with interference that they have and that it's actually not, not Ra who's uh, answering, but somebody else. So I don't know, that's speculation. I don't want to open that. Uh, can of worms, but just something to note there that even in this uh, Toby Wheelock um, transmission again of uh, translation of the whole thing where he heard the, the audio again, um, it doesn't have the I am raw. So one last thing to say there. And with that, let's just start with the first question that has to do with this. And I want to share it with you. At what point would this calling be enough for you to openly come among the people on Earth? How many entities on Earth would have to call the Confederation? Ra says, We do not calculate the possibility of coming among your peoples by the numbers of calling, but by a consensus among an entire societal memory complex which has become aware of the infinite consciousness of all things. This has been possible among your peoples only in isolated instances. In the case wherein a social memory complex, which is servant of the creator, sees the situation and has an idea for the appropriate aid, 
which can only be done among your peoples, the social memory complex desiring this project lays it before the Council of Saturn. If it is approved, quarantine is lifted. So quarantine is something that they created in, I think, the 50s, because the question as is asked was 30 years ago, so it's 81, around the 50s. And I can speculate a couple of things about the quarantine that was established. Um, and they'll talk about this, I think, a little bit more in the slides that I have. But basically what they're saying here is that the people making the calling, so say us as a civilization, when they say that they have done in the past is like the Mayans, I believe, and the Egyptians were the ones that were able to call unanimously in their belief system for aid by the Confederation of Planets, and they received it. So right now we would need to collect a lot of people that are in tune with the law of one and actually in tune with the law of one or anything else that requires assistance uh, from fifth density or even fourth density, which is the angelical realms and higher dimensional beings. So basically people need to be in tune with some sort of calling, put the calling out there. The Confederation of Planets will receive this and then they will assign somebody or not assign, but they will, they will pick depending on who actually um, heeds this call. So say Ra, for example, they lay down this plan to come here several times and they were approved. So other uh, parts of the Confederation of Planets or the people that are the, the social memory complexes that uh, are part of the Confederation of Planets, they basically say, all right, they are being called, you know, they're calling for help. We want to help them. This is our plan. And the Council of Saturn says, okay, you're approved, you can go. So that's basically all, all they're saying here. Let's move on to the next question I have. And let's go here. It says, I have a question here, I believe, about that council from Jim. So Jim is asking the question, basically. Who are the members and how does the council function? Now, this is going to get a little heavy. So let's go on and read what they say. Ross says, the members of the council are representatives from the confederation and from those vibratory levels of your inner planes bearing responsibility for your third density. The names are not important because there are no names. Your mind, body, spirit complexes request names. And so, in many cases, the vibratory sound complexes, which are consonant with the vibratory distortions of each entity, are used. However, the name concept is not part of the council. If names are requested, we will attempt them. However, not all have chosen names. All right. So this slide is basically them saying that we have no names, uh, but you guys are fun with names. So we provide names sometimes. Uh, but they're also saying that the Confederation, um, I'm sorry, the members of the council are representatives of the Confederation. And from those vibratory levels of your inner planes bearing responsibility for your third density, they're talking about the Anshars, if you know about them and Corey Good's work. They are people who live in the inner planes of the Earth. And it's a whole nother topic, but that's what they're talking about here. And that's why I wanted to include this slide or this part of the answer uh, for the question. So that and of course that they have no names. <laughs> so let's move on to the next question or part of the, the answer. And they said, in number, the council that sits in constant session 
though varying in its member by means of balancing which takes place, what you would call irregularly is nine. That is the session council. To back up this council, there are 24 entities which offer their services as requested. These entities faithfully watch and have been called the guardians. So pretty quick here, they're talking about the, there is like a council of nine, um, uh, I would say entities, but they're not quite entities. And there are 24 who actually serve the council and of course the people who are being asked for this help. So imagine a council of nine, which is basically what they say at the beginning, and then 24 other uh, social memory complexes or entities in general that aid in this call. So let's move on to the next before we get this too complicated as it is already. And it says, the council operates by means of what you would call telepathic contact with the oneness or unity of the nine, the distortions blending harmoniously so that the law of one prevails with ease. When a need for thought is present, the council retains the distortion complex of this need, balancing it as described, and then recommends what it considers as an appropriate action. This includes one, the duty of admitting social memory complexes to the Confederation. Two, offering aid to those who are unsure how to aid the social memory complex requesting aid in a way consonant with both the call, the law, and the number of those calling, that is to say, sometimes the resistance of the call. Three, internal questions in the council are determined. Lastly, they say, these are the prominent duties of the council. They are, if any doubt, if in any doubt, able to contact the 24 who then offer consensus judgment thinking to the council. The council then may reconsider any question. All right, let's wrap this up. We have the Confederation of Planets, which is the organization, if you will, that is taking care of everything or managing everything here in this sector of the galaxy. Then we have the Council of Saturn, which is here in the solar system, and they have 24 guardians, as they call it, that are also aiding the Council of Saturn. I'm going to explain the three duties that they have, and then I'll give you an example of it. The first one is to admit social memory complexes into the Confederation of Planets. Uh, the second one is that they are here to help into questions that the social memory complexes helping other planets have. The third one is to answer questions within the social, uh, the Council of Saturn. So the example that I have is imagine us as a planet become a social memory complex and we want to be admitted to the Confederation of Planets. Well, we'll kind of like uh, apply to the Council of Saturn and from there they'll admit us into the Confederation of Planets. Second, if we have any questions when say we're going to help another planet in another star and we are, we're being service to, to them, we have questions, the Council is there to kind of help us out. And the third one is self-explanatory, they just answer questions there. So I hope that makes sense. I know it's a little complicated and a little far out, but uh, that's the best way I can explain it. Again, questions, leave them in the comments and we'll discuss them. Let's go into the next question that I want to share. And Don asks, I am interested in the application of the law of one as it pertains to free will and what I would call the advertising done by UFO contact with the planet. 
That is, the council has allowed the quarantine to be lifted many times over the past 30 years. This seems to me to be a form of advertising for what we are doing right now, so that more people will be awakened. Am I correct? Ra says, the Council of Saturn has not allowed the breaking of quarantine in the time-space continuum you mentioned. There is a certain amount of landing taking pay place. Some of these landings are of your peoples. Some are of the entities known to you as the Group of Orion. Secondly, there is permission granted, not to break quarantine by dwelling among you, but to appear in thought form capacity for those who have eyes to see. Thirdly, you are correct in assuming that permission was granted at the time space in which your first nuclear device was developed and used for confederation members to minister unto your peoples in such a way as to cause mystery to occur. This is what you mean by advertising and is correct. The mystery and unknown quality of the occurrences we are allowed to offer have the hoped for intention of making your peoples aware of infinite possibility. When your peoples grasp infinity, then, and only then, can the gateway be open to the law of one. I'll just ask about Orion. You mention Orion as a source of some of the contacts of UFOs. Can you tell me something of that contact, its purpose? To this, Ross says, Consider, if you will, a simple example of intentions which are bad good. This example is Adolf. This is your vibratory sound complex. The intention is to presumably unify by choosing the distortion complex called elite from a social memory complex, and then enslaving, by various effects, those who are seen as the distortion of non-elites. There is then the concept of taking the social memory complex thus weeded and adding it to a distortion thought of by the so-called Orion group as an empire. The problem facing them is that they face a great deal of random energy release by the concept of separation. This causes them to be vulnerable as the distortions amongst their own members are not harmonized. Okay, so let's try to dissect this a little bit because they're talking about the Orion group and they're also giving the example of Hitler, basically. And well, basically, no, uh, literally. <laughs> That's what they mean by Adolf. And they're talking about the creation of an elite to enslave those who are non-elite, which is what happened in Nazi Germany. And as they do this, they explain that for the Orion group, the, the Orion group is basically the negative um, group that is in this part of the galaxy. And there are others, of course, but those are the ones that we're dealing with. Here is where allegedly comes the Draco Reptilians, some of the greys and other entities that are uh, well known to be negative to, to our own humanity. And they have been manipulating the structure and the powers that we have here on Earth, humanity in general, for thousands of years. So they're talking about the Orion group in this way, and they're explaining a couple of things that are kind of interesting to me, which is that for them to become uh, more polarized, basically, they have to become a lot more um, dis disoriented into their own harmonies and they become a lot more vulnerable to their own distortions. So it's kind of like a risky path to take, but some people take it. 
So uh, I hope this explains a little bit what they say here, because all they're saying is about the Orion group and what they're doing here. And they give that example. So let's move on to the other question and keep talking about the Orion group, of course. So here he says, what is the density of the Orion group? This is important. Let's go. Like the Confederation, the densities of the mass consciousness which comprise that group are varied. There are a very few third density, a large number of fourth density, a similarly large number of fifth density, and very few sixth density entities comprising this organization. Their numbers are perhaps one tenth hours at any point in the time in the space time continuum as the problem of spiritual entropy causes them to experience constant disintegration of their social memory complexes. OK, before moving forward, let's uh, let's analyze this a little bit. So what they're saying is that the densities that the Orion group have are varied, just like third, fourth, fifth and sixth density. Um, one thing to note here, and that's why there's a star next to uh, fifth density, is that I believe it's in session 46, they explain something different about the, the amount of groups that exist in the different densities. So this is open to speculation if there are that many fifth density in the Orion group, but uh, that's what they're saying here. They're talking about the densities that are involved in the Orion group. And their numbers are tiny, like one tenth, 10% of what Ra and the others, the Confederation of Planets, and basically service to self. From now on, whenever we talk about the Orion group is the service to self and the service to others. Orion group is service to self, and Ra and the rest in the Confederation of Planets are service to others. So that's what they're talking about here, that they uh, outnumber them. And the reason why the reason why this happens is because they need to be very disharmonized with their own spiritual um, path to become that polarized towards the negative. And that's what they mean here. So let's go on to the next slide. And they say their power is the same as ours. The law of one blinks neither at the light or the darkness, but is available for the service to others and service to self. However, service to others results in service to self thus preserving and further harmonizing the distortions of those entities seeking intelligent infinity through these disciplines. Let me pause here and say one comment, which I think is important, and is that when they say that their power is the same as them is because they're seeking the same outcome. I know here on Earth we are um, kind of like enamored with this idea that good or bad good and evil, positive and negative. But the law of one, like they say here, and this is where the, the darkness of the law of one can come in, you know, from our perception, is that it serves both. Because one key thing that they say here, and I think it's really important, is when they say that service to others results in service to self. And that preserve, thus preserving and further harmonizing the distortions of those entities seeking intelligent infinity through these disciplines. So we actually get like a double because service to others is also helping ourselves. And service to self is just service to ourselves. So very important thing to note here. And 
with that, let's keep going with what Ross says, because this answer is pretty long and we have a lot to cover. So, all right. Those seeking intelligent infinity through the use of service to self create the same amount of power, but as we said, have constant difficulty because of the concept of separation, which is implicit in the manifestations of the service to self, which involve power over others. This weakens and eventually disintegrates the energy collected by such mind-body-spirit complexes who call the Orion group and the social memory complexes which comprise the Orion group. Basically everything I said before. Let's go on. It should be noted, carefully pondered, and accepted that the law of one is available to any social memory complex which has decided to strive together for any seeking of purpose be it service to others or service to self. The laws, which are the primal distortions of the law of one, then are placed into operation, and the illusion of space-time is used as a medium for the development of the results of those choices freely made. Thus, all entities learn, no matter what they seek, all learn the same, some rapidly, some slow. Okay, so this is the part where I say that the law of one has its own darkness. But it actually is the fact that it's a universal law that just helps anybody who is seeking together the law of one. And it's a path, so polarities just simply decide which way you take. They do point out a lot that the negative path or the service to self path is kind of like self-destructing in its own way because of the separation that it creates but it is accessible. So again, I wanted to make this point here because I don't want the law of one to be confused as some sacred thing and that is all you know divine and everything. It's explaining the crude reality of this universe and how things work, but it also brings up in, in a very vivid way how we can decide to live our lives and our spiritual growth. So in the same way, it also brings a lot of light into understanding what we call evil in this universe. It's needed. It's part of it. And the law of one serves both. Remember that the law of one is not the last law of this universe. We still have the law of eternity, but we haven't gotten yet uh, there. So I just wanted to point that out that the law of one, like I said, is just a simple law of the universe and it aids both polarities, positive and negative, service to self and service to others. Let's move on to the next question. Using as an example a fifth density group or social memory complex of the Orion group, what was their previous density before they became fifth density? The progress through densities is sequential. A fifth density social memory complex would be comprised of mind-body-spirit complexes harvested from fourth density. Then the conglomerate or mass mind-body-spirit complex does its melding and the results are due to the infinitely various possibilities of combination of distortions. Okay, so Don is asking how does a fifth density um, social memory complex like the Orion group or people in the Orion group becomes fifth density? Where do they come from? And Ra simply says that they come from fourth density. Simple as that. So it's sequential. If they started here, so I'll give you an example. The elite people here in our planet, which are causing the government that we know and everything, the deep state and everything else that we know as the rabbit hole, they are the ones seeking right now the law of one 
through the what we would call evil here and all the the atrocities that they're causing so that's why they say that they have their own way of achieving this and if they are successful they will graduate into four density as a service to self entity now they need to grab a lot of people to become four density and become a group over there and then do the same thing as they're doing here in four density so they can get into fifth density so they're basically seeking the same hierarchical climb if you will but service to self whereas us at least i am <laughs> going into service to others so it's a positive um climb if you will too but they're also going into four densities so if you think you're going to be all happy in four density um i don't know if that's good or bad news for you but you you have to get used to the fact that there's going to be negative entities there so i didn't say this this is all part of it let's go to the next question where don keeps asking about the um understanding of this process and he asks i'm trying to understand how a group such as the orion group would progress I was of the opinion that a closer understanding of the law of one created the condition of acceptability moving, say, from our third density to the fourth in our transition now. And I'm trying to understand how it would be possible if you were in the Orion group and pointed towards self-service, how would you progress, say, from the third density to the fourth? What learning would be necessary for that? All right, we're going to get into a long answer here, but I want to go with you. So let's go into the first part. Ra says, you will recall that we went into some detail as to how those not oriented towards seeking service to others, yet nevertheless found and could use the gateway to intelligent infinity. This is true at all densities in our octave. We cannot speak for those above us, as you would say, in the next quantum or octave of beingness. So big pause here. Don is asking, how do they actually achieve this? How does a four density uh, negative, let's call them negative for now. Uh, how does the negative social memory complex achieves the fifth density? And to this Ross says is the same way as they explained previously, that those who are service to self, they don't need to activate their, their heart chakra or the, their throat chakra. They go from potentiating really, really hard their yellow, uh, especially the yellow one and the orange and the root chakra too, but the yellow one, which is the social interaction that we have here, they manipulate a lot. So they, we can go into a, lo a long detail explanation of this, but basically that's what they're saying. They potentiate their three lower chakras or energy centers. And with that, they gain access to intelligent infinity as they're saying here. And that's, this is true for all densities. They do this here in third density, they do it in fourth and in fifth. They don't have to go through the heart chakra. They never need to activate that to keep progressing. So keep that in mind and let's move on. So the next part of the answer is, this is, however, true of this octave of densities. The beings are harvested because they can see and enjoy the light love of the appropriate density. Those who have found this light love, love light, without benefit of a desire of service, nevertheless, by the law of free will, have the right to use 
to the use of that light. Oh, this gets confusing of the light love for whatever purpose. I'm going to go with it. And um, I'll say that this this is basically what they're saying is that no matter how you see it, light love is just the energy of the universe, the uh, the part that intelligent infinity became uh, intelligent energy. And that's what they're saying. No matter how you seek it, if it's through positive or negative, you're going to find a way to intelligent infinity through the seeking of that light love. So that's all they're saying. No matter how you see the light from a negative or from a positive, you will be able to ascend in the densities. Simple as that. I know it gets complicated with all the slashes and things. <laughs> Let's go on with the second to last part. And they say, also, it may be inserted that there are systems of study which enable the seeker of separation to gain these gateways. This study is as difficult as the one which we have described to you. But there are those with the perseverance to pursue the study just as you desire to pursue the difficult path of seeking to know in order to serve. Okay, so this one is pretty simple. We know that we have our methods, our uh, dogmas, our philosophies to create service to others. Love, compassion, clearing of the ego and everything else that we're familiar with. In the same way, those seeking the negative path have their ways. Those are rituals. We know them here as satanic cults and all these atrocities that they cause to create fear, control, manipulation. Those are their methods. Those are their philosophies. Uh, if you are at all familiar with the Luciferian agenda, you would know this a little bit and how they seek the, the light with their own, um, I would say, tools, just like we have our own. So that's all they're saying here, that it's the same level of, or actually a little bit harder, to be honest, but it's, it's, it's a difficult path. It's not an easy one. So that's, I didn't write this up. I know this sounds terrible, but I told you this is the dark side of the law of one. So the last thing they say is the distortion lies in the fact that those who seek to serve the self are seen by the law of one as precisely the same as those who seek to serve others for are not all one. To serve yourself and to serve other is a dual method of saying the same thing. If you can understand the essence of the law of one. Wow. All right. So this is like, uh, I don't know about you, but I get a, a, an emotional swing here because we're talking about how the law of one applies to everything, the negative and the positive. And at the end, Ross says that the law of one sees them both as the same because they're both seeking the light. And to serve the self is the same as to serve others because you are serving unity basically so that's why the law of one has no polarities as they explain in what the law of one is and i think it's a beautiful way to end this uh session because what they're saying is that even though they describe the different paths that we can take and it can be um kind of like, I mean, terrible for us to see it in one way or beautiful in the other. We're both seeking the same thing. And it's creating this reality, this uh, this polarized reality that we know of. And I mean, it's just a beautiful way to see that how even though we're creating separation in our own way and the negative path is creating even more separation in their own groups, in the end, we all come back together in unity. So 
with that, um, I want to say that today, out of the law of one and everything, I want to confess that today was just a terrible day for me. So if today's session seems a little lackluster in some way, uh, please let me know in the comments. Um, I had some issues, technical issues, and other personal stuff that got in the way. And without getting into details there, I just want to say that today's sessions may not be the best, but I try my best just to create this for you guys. I hope you enjoy it. And as always, check uh, the description for my social media, my Facebook group, where we can talk more about this. And if you haven't already, subscribe and like. And I'll see you in session eight, where hopefully I'm in be better shape than today. And until then, much love to you, much energy, and I'll see you then. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.